It's Outdoor Explorer. I'm your host, Lisa Keller. The Alaska Sports Hall of Fame is in its 16th year honoring Alaska's sports community. This year's annual award ceremony was held last month, the first ceremony held since the start of the pandemic. The class of 2020, Marcy Trent and Matt Carl in the individual category, the Yukon 800 in the event category, and the UAA hockey upset of Boston College in 1991 in the moment category became the class of 2022. Harlow Robinson, executive director of the Alaska Sports Hall of Fame, joined me for the first time since the fall of 2020 to chat about this year's director's awards and the Healthy Futures annual fundraiser 100 Miles in May. The director's awards include the Pride of Alaska Award for Consistent Excellence in Athletic Competition, the Joe Floyd Award for Significant and Lasting Contribution to Alaska Through Sports, and the Trajan Langdon Award for Leadership, Sportsmanship, and Inspiration. The Healthy Futures Program 100 Miles in May is an annual fundraiser that encourages Alaskans to get out and move during the month of May. Keep listening for more on Outdoor Explorer. Outdoor Explorer. I'm your host, Lisa Keller. With me today is Harlow Robinson, Executive Director of Healthy Futures and a founding board member of the Alaska Sports Hall of Fame. Thanks for joining me today, Harlow. It's really good to be with you again, Lisa. Well, it's been about, we were trying to figure this out beforehand, but it's been about a year and a half, maybe, or maybe even almost two years since we've chatted about the Alaska Sports Hall of Fame. And so um, we are going to talk today um, about the Sports Hall of Fame and also 100 Miles in May, which has started as, you know, as of the airing of this show. Um, but the last time we chatted about the Alaska Sports Hall of Fame, you had the, the major inductees, the individual inductees, the event inductee, and the moment inductee. And we talked about all of them, and that hasn't changed at all, right? That has not. As a matter of fact, when we spoke last, we were preparing to induct the class of 2020. And um, we were also kind of aware that we might have to postpone at that point. And, um, you know, that's certainly what happened. And the class of 2020 became the class of 2022. And, um, and we did not, uh, in the in that two-year period um, induct or select any more people, moments, or events to be inducted. Um, we wanted to give that group their their day, and, uh, and thankfully, we were able to do that last week and finally gather. Um, it was a great, great evening. Um, lots of amazing energy in the in the house, and um, we inducted the class of what is now 2022. So I was really um, sad to miss that. I was outside traveling, and um, I remember the last time I think I went in 2019, right before the pandemic, and I was just so impressed by the energy of that ceremony. So it must have felt so great to have that back. It was, it was really special. I also think it was, I, I wouldn't say it was weird energy, but I think um, people just aren't used to big social events. And, um, you know, as a director and organizer, I had, uh, you know, always want to do the right thing. And I think 
we all agreed, the board agreed, the right thing was to go ahead with getting back to um, these annual events. But, you know, you want to be um, careful with public health issues, et cetera. And I think the thing that made me feel really great about that we were on the right track is that uh, Dr. Ann Zink was right there in the middle of it all, um, front and center. And um, and so I thought if Ann Zink is here, we're, we're in good shape. Yeah. Uh, but um, I think it was just, you know, it was the first time for a lot of us to be in a in a big public setting. And, you know, I know when I got up on stage to kind of look out and uh, say a few words, I for a second, I just felt a little overcome i just like i had this kind of wave of emotion that it just felt you know i forgot what i forgot all the talking points i had in my head i just um was just so happy to see that hey we're doing it and um it, it, right it is it's become a really special event i think for the state i mean initially it was just strictly an induction ceremony and the first few years you know we had these really big name um, Alaskan kind of legends of sports that we had slightly larger induction classes and it was all about that rightfully so five years in we realized you know we really want to do something that's sustainable and vibrant and vital 10 15 years down the line so adding those annual kind of athlete of the year awards and um, you know, the Trajan Langdon Award and the Joe Floyd Award, that has brought so much energy to the, to the events. And, it, you know, if you're familiar with the ESPYs, which are kind of like the, the Grammys for sports, um, this, is, this feels like Alaska's version, and it's, it's always a lot of fun. And you get a lot of, you know, sort of Alaska-style celebrities that show up for the event. And this is a good time. It's really cool too, because there's such a wide variety of athletes that show up, you know, right. so you're not really focused on your little pocket of people. It's like all sorts of sports are represented. I have always said Alaska has, I don't even think this is really debatable. I think we have the most diverse, you know, I've looked at a lot of other states and what they do with their halls of fame and um, you know, you look at an Alabama or, a, you know, they're entrenched in their, you know, their, their mainstream sports, football, baseball, uh, basketball, and, and, you know, motor, motor sports, NASCAR, that kind of thing. But, you know, and Alaska has a lot of mainstream sports success, but then we have just this on and on these really unique sports traditions that really don't find in most states. And it's just so cool. And, and you're right, you know, every year at these events, which I'll, I'll go ahead and say are annual, um, even though we took a two year, uh, <laughs> um, you just do, you do get some people that come every year and then you get whole new communities that show up. And this year we, for the first time ever honored a soccer player and a swimmer. And with that came these, um, new communities of people that were just like, wow, this is a, this is a really great event. And I never knew. And, um, you know, it's so exciting and, I'm going to come back next year type of thing. So. Oh, that's so great. So, so actually let's go ahead and talk about the director's awards first. So we've already talked about um, the last time you and I spoke, the individual inductees, the event inductee and moment inductee. And maybe we'll save that towards the end and just briefly talk about those. 
Um, and I'll also post the link to our last interview on the alaskapublic.org website so that people can re-listen to those if they want to. But let's talk about the director's awards because those are like brand new for this year. Um, and let's start with the soccer player and the swimmer sure. and, and the Pride of Alaska Youth Awards. So first explain what the Pride of Alaska Youth Awards represents. You know, really, in a, in a nutshell, it's your athlete of the year. But, um, you know, we, all of our awards, um, kind of the, the measuring stick for all of them, and, and this really helps us when we're comparing, you know, who do we choose between this basketball player and this mountain climber over here? And so we kind of look at, you know, how much pride and positive distinction did this candidate or this person um um, bring to the state of Alaska and our people. And so that's the name for these um, annual awards, uh, Pride of Alaska. But so we're really looking at either a person or a team that's shown outstanding athletic achievement over the past year. So um, yeah, those, those two, the, the youth awards this year that I mentioned soccer and swimming and no surprise, um, <laughs> Lydia <laughs> Jacoby, the, uh, who I don't need to introduce or describe to anyone in Alaska probably um, are really just rock star celebrity. She was, she was definitely one of the big hits of the night. Um, she, Lydia came up from Seward with her family and um, we all know um, that she won the gold medal in um, Beijing, um, Tokyo in, uh, um, in uh, swimming a hundred meter back, back or uh, sorry, breast, breaststroke. And, um, yeah, it's great to have her there. And then on the boys' side, so this is really typically really just looking at high school-aged athletes. Um, Obed Vargas, um, who I know personally just because my son played, happens to play soccer and has played against this kid since he was little. Um, and when he – he's just a, an absolute prodigy of a soccer player. When he – um, turned about 14, he moved to Seattle to join the Seattle Sounders um, Academy team. And at 15, he became the third youngest person ever to play in uh, the MLS, Major League Soccer. I can't even wrap my brain around a soccer player. I mean, we're used to somebody like Lydia Jacoby, who was uh, 17 when she medaled. But right. swimmers tend to be younger, but a soccer player, I mean, that's really just blows my mind that someone that young is in the professional leagues. It's remarkable. Uh, just a great story. And the fact that he came from Alaska, we're not exactly a hotbed for soccer. Um, so it's, this is really exciting and it was fun to honor both of those people. Yeah. And just backing up, we, um, we do a whole kind of nomination process where we, we just collect as many names as possible. It's such a big state. And especially when you're talking about high school, I mean, we want to make sure we don't miss anybody. So we reach out to administration, school administrations, coaches, journalists, et cetera. And so those three names, the three finalists, really, they came from a, a group of at least 20. And then our, our board of directors has a voting process where we narrow it down to three and then a, and then a finalist. Kyler Johnson, he's in East High School. Aren't you in East High? I am an East High alum, yeah. yeah. Well, Kyler, uh, just a, an amazing multi, uh, a dual athlete, I guess you'd say. He was uh, 
you know, first team all state basketball and or I be, for, he was all state basketball and Gatorade football player of the year, quarterback and a point guard. And was he know. one of those? Uh, ADN, I think, um, did a profile on four young men from uh, East and the football team, or was it the basket? It was the basketball team and how they had been playing together since they were kids. Right. No, he was one of the actually the five, the starting five. Okay all seniors they'd all been playing together uh since they were young and, and okay so, yeah he was one of them and also mm -hmm. a really tight-knit group they were most of those also played on that football team and really just both of the you know the east high football and basketball teams have been just in, an amazing performing at an amazing level for the last couple of years so fun to recognize him and then landon smith um is a wrestler from bethel and he joins a very short list of high school wrestlers in Alaska that have won a state championship four four years in a row. Wow. And, um, Bethel has an amazing wrestling program out there. And they year after year produce these um, super talented wrestlers. As a matter of fact, the Pride of Alaska winner a couple of years ago, um, Hayden Lieb was a wrestler from Bethel mm -hmm. and he now wrestles at um, University of Wyoming. So I think that's so cool. Like a small community off the road system in Alaska is producing these, these like sports, very specific sport, like just amazing kids. You know, almost all, uh, I think, you know, 99% of the time when that happens, when you see some community that just happens to do incredibly well at some particular sport it all starts with one person that maybe they arrived in the community as a school teacher and they happen to be um and i think about chivac which is a very remote community and they had a um, running coach out there who happened to be i think he was a college runner and and just had a real passion for it and over the course of time he just built a culture there where mm -hmm. chivac would show up at all the you know all the, the state meets and just crush everybody i remember those years they were doing that yeah, yeah you know and kids would grow up there um young kids would see the older kids running and say i want to do that and i mm -hmm. want to you know i want to be on the varsity team some someday and it can yeah that's really cool so lydia was up against merit flora and savia sellers did i get her name right savia yeah savia yeah yeah savia yeah and I, I really feel bad for those other two candidates because um, honestly, on uh, on most years, I think they, either one of them certainly could have been uh, the pride of Alaska winner. That's what I was thinking too I, when I read their bios. <laughs> hard to go. It's hard to compete against uh, you know Olympic gold medalists for sure. Yeah. But, um, yeah, Savia, just a phenomenal. I think it's fair to call Savia a generational basketball talent. Um, she's re, she's really special and if you ever she's only a junior so um and the cool thing is we're seeing a lot of our alaskan basketball players leave the state um the the ones that are exceptionally talented to go to bigger schools or programs or academies and and leave for their last you know two three four years of high school and savia has made it clear she's not going anywhere she wants to stay here and um and where is she from? She's in Anchorage. Oh, she's um, from Anchorage. Okay. She's from Anchorage, and she plays for Anchorage Christian School. Oh, okay. Um, so if you ever get a chance, um, I'd really recommend 
um, going and watching her. She's a lot of fun and really talented and got one more year of high school. And, um, mm -hmm. and then, of course, if you're familiar with Nordic skiing, you probably recognize the last name with Marit uh, Flora. And, um, yep. you know, just had a tremendous year, both, well, yeah, primarily uh, Nordic skiing. I forget she didn't run cross country this fall, but really um, blossomed into a, a, a pretty dominant level um, cross-country skier. And she was the ski meister this year. Correct. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, okay. So let's, uh, talk, let's just keep with the pride of Alaska, but now let's shift to the, um, the adults. And also what I like about a lot of these awards is like, I don't always recognize all these names. And so it's really cool to see these names, uh, of people that I didn't know were out there doing these amazing things because yeah. again, you get so focused on your own little sport group, you know? So the, the female, the woman winner was Claire DeGeorge and I had never heard of her before. Right. I really like, you know, one of the things I'll say is awkward about the, both the men and the women were that there were, there's been, there was an exceptional hockey player and an exceptional, um, skier in both of these categories, Nordic skier, and just kind of from an organizational standpoint and wanting to be representative of the state, I, I hoped in the back of my head that there would be some sort of split um, just because it, it would have been unfortunate, I think, for either the Nordic ski community or the hockey community if, if you know, one or the other had swept the awards. But right. <laughs> saying that, um, you know, it's always, it's a, and, and I will say both of these men and women votes were super close. Claire DeGeorge, um, I think girls hockey in Anchorage is a tremendous story. And if you ever get a chance, um, it would be a great, I think a great outdoor explorer feature. Um, Claire, or sorry, Carrie Jokiel is on our board of directors and her father um, started girls hockey in Alaska as its own sanctioned sport because he raised a bunch of girls. He is a big hockey fan and he's like, I can't believe there's no, uh, <laughs> he, he I, playing. there yeah. was that, uh, there was an article maybe in the press or in AD and I can't remember. I remember reading about this. Yeah. And thinking, yeah, yeah. Oh, that would make a good outdoor explorer. So I'm going to jump really on that, would, you know, and, and there are a lot of other names that have um, helped um, the, the Scotty Gomez Foundation has recently been um, huge in, in ensuring that girls hockey thrives in, especially in Alaska or in uh, Anchorage. It's just a hotbed for girls hockey. And we're seeing um, these girls now, um, Zoe Hickel a few years ago, and now Claire and um, Hannah uh, Hoganson from South High, um, and just to name a few. Um, doing extremely well on the national level. And Claire DeGeorge was um, senior at Ohio State. They won the national championship and she was their star player and mm -hmm. scored a goal and had an assist in the, in the cha national championship game. So it was really great to be able to honor her. And uh, Rosie Brennan, um, the Olympic skier who had you know, be, besides Keegan Randall and Jesse Diggins, um, the third best American perf women's performance in the Olympic history ever. So she was so close to that medal, yeah, so <laughs> close to the podium. And, and, you know, I know Rosie a little bit personally, she's a wonderful person. 
it's like, how do you overlook Rosie? But, you know, um, someone's got to come out on top. And Rosie um, did win the award last year, Mm -hmm. and she had a tremendous year leading up to the Olympics. So. And then Sydney Kimber. Right. Sydney Kimber. That's another really cool Alaskan sports story. Um, wrestling, girls wrestling in Alaska. I don't know if um, the listeners will remember, but Michaela Hutchison from Soldatna High School was is the first girl in our country to win uh, a wrestling cha- state high school championship outright. And she beat all the boys and um, won, uh, I can't remember what weight class, but... Um, but she was one of those early, uh, I would say, maybe pioneer in um, kind of pushing girls wrestling forward. And, you know, since then, um, the girls, there's enough girls out there wrestling. They have their own, um, you know, they have their own girls category. And, and Sydney Kimber is a product of that. And um, she's uh, sick from Sitka. And she, incredible year. She, um I believe did not lose. She she went undefeated her whole year for the second straight year. So her last two years of college wrestling, um, she did not lose uh, a match. Wow. I want to say, but I might be wrong, that she did not uh, give up a point this year. But um, our little bio on her would, uh, on our website would verify that. But really incredible. And it was nice to be able to, recognize her as a finalist as well. And then we, I, I don't think Rosie has said that she's retiring yet, but our Claire and Sydney are still pretty young in their sport and, but leaving college right now. Right. Right. Claire, so I, are I they know, continuing? Right. I, I did speak with Claire's parents. Claire wasn't able to travel up. Um, she's finishing up her, her senior year right now in, um, in university, but um, they said she's ready to, she's, got her degree and ready to move on to the yeah. professional world um, or once she has her degree. Um, there is a path out there for female hockey players um, professionally, but it's, I think it's pretty rough. Mm. It's, uh, it doesn't pay well. And there are a lot of leagues that are kind of struggling to s- exist. And um, Which and- to me, this is the biggest issue in women's sports right now. Is right. that there isn't a place in most sports to continue because there's not the money to continue. You can't afford it. It's hard. And um, Zoe Hickel, um, who is actually Claire's head coach at Ohio oh, State. Oh, that's cool. So, uh, <laughs> it's a cool little side story. But Zoe um, did give that that whole world a try for a couple of years, and you know, bounced around to different teams and different leagues. And I think you know. Uh, you know, she ended up coaching, which is definitely a way that, uh, you know, women can stay mm-hmm. in the sport if they're not able to play and get paid for it. So, mm-hmm. and women coaches are underpaid too. <laughs> yeah. They don't quite make you know, as much as uh, the guys. <laughs> where's Ted Stevens when you need him? Right. Exactly. For, uh, for women's sports. No, it's yep. ongoing, um, ongoing issue, the gender equity. Yep. So the uh, men's pride of Alaska was Scott Patterson, the skier. So we got our hockey player and our skier. So right, you're right. And I mentioned the split, the skier hockey split. Right, Scott Patterson, um, who uh, 
you know, if it was just for his performance in mountain running alone, I think he would have been a great candidate. Um, he just demolished the Crow Pass record this last year. I mean, the Crow Pass crossing marathon, storied, um, just a just a brutal, tough mountain race. Scott won it for the seventh time this year, and it was a really rugged, tough course, and uh, you know it was muddy and overgrown, and and he um, <laughs> broke the record by five minutes. Wow, it's just stunning. And is that a record number of wins on Crow Pass for men? Wins, yep. Uh, I believe he passed uh, Michael Graham and Bill Spencer would have been up there as well. What a, and does Nancy Pease have? Does yeah, she have? Uh, yeah, Nancy has the overall the overall record. Yeah. Wins, I, and I believe yeah. it's nine. Wow. <laughs> yeah, Nancy Pease ran it nine times and won it nine times. Nine times, yeah. Decided, ah, I'm good. <laughs> Yeah, and then but, Scott. You know, um, so really, the the Crow Pass record is sort of a, a side note or a footnote to his performance in skiing in the Olympics. And you know, back in September, Scott had a a bad um, crash, bicycle crash, and broke his wrist, which was potentially devastating to his Olympic dreams. It was the timing was terrible. He uh, he had to have a um, have a um, some hardware put in his wrist and took a long time to heal, set his training schedule back. Um, but, uh, you know, as it turns out, it, it all worked out great. He came, came into fitness at the perfect time. And um, his performance in the Olympics was the best for an American male since Bill Koch back in uh, 1976. So, Unbelievable. And he's such a... Um, if you know Scott or if you've met him, he's um, he's a really nice guy, really modest and humble. But boy, he is a silent killer. I mean, he's he is a, as competitive as it gets. Uh, you know, sometimes those athletes at that level are so teetering on the edge of just doing too much that you see this that there'll be some sort of injury that you think, oh man, they're out now. But what they really needed was some rest and it gave them a little bit of rest to recuperate. Right. You, I think you're so right. And uh, the skiing, um, you see, you know, they, they do have all kinds of troubles with fatigue and overtraining or over racing. Once you get over right. to Europe and you're in that circuit and there's pressure to perform, they're, they're literally racing every weekend and then you get into the schedule of race, rest, recover, and and maybe you know for Scott that um, might have been a, kind of a silver lining that he had a little chance to to recover or rest yeah. a little bit. So and Jeremy Swayman, I mentioned the hockey player. He yeah, it's an amazing season. Uh, he's a rookie for the Boston Bruins goalkeeper, and. Um, you know, last, well, I'm sorry, last year he was a rookie. This is his second. Oh, no, I, I take that back. He is qualified to be a rookie this year and very much in the running for mm -hmm. the Rookie of the Year award. So he's um, some injuries um, kind of opened the door for him to take the starting spot for the Boston Bruins. And he just, uh, once he got a hold of it, he never looked back. He had a streak of something like 10 games in a row uh, where he won and uh, just um, really he's turning into one of the best goalkeepers in the 
in the NFL, uh, NHL. So it's been really fun to watch him. Oh, that's cool. And then the third uh, finalist for the men's award is um, um, Marco Chiseto. Yes, thank you. <laughs> Marco, yeah, Marco Chiseto. And, um, you know, his story with uh, losing both his feet to frostbite when he was at UAA. He was an All-American runner at UAA. And then, um, um, and most people um, have heard the story along the way somewhere, but he, he ended up getting prosthetics um, and becoming, um, kind of got re-energized um, and re rediscovered his passion for running along the way and has since gone on to become the very best uh, prosthetic runner in, in the world. Um, and he broke the world record, marathon record for prosthetics, uh, for a runner with prosthetics um, a year ago or so, I believe in the New York Marathon. And then he just rebroke his own world record this past year at the New York Marathon. So, And that first time he broke it, he broke it by a huge amount, didn't he? Yeah. I mean, it was like 15 or 20 minutes or something like that. Am yeah, I getting that right? No, it's, uh, it's yeah, no, he shattered it. And, yeah. and if you're thinking, well, how many prosthetic, you know, runners with prosthetics in the world could there be? And there, you know, there's a lot, I mean, it's, it's a legit record. And yeah, well, really happy for Marco. And, um, he is somebody that, um, his story has been well documented. And if you don't know it, it definitely worth Googling, but he's a real redemption story. Um, had a lot of personal struggles with depression and, um, that he's, he's really worked hard to overcome and, and really thrive in life, um, since the amputation of his feet. So mm -hmm. really happy for him. Both Although we, we lost him to Florida though. He lives we in Florida lose him now, to right? Florida. Yeah. <laughs> that's the thing with, you know, some of these awards, um, the question of you know who is an Alaskan and uh, there's there's no um, you know policies and procedures for for that it's it's more of a, a question of heart and um, mm -hmm. it, it's really clear with a person like Marco that um, he's he's an Alaskan at heart um, even though he's from Kenya originally and and that by the way is a recurring theme with um, our honorees, they get up there and, you know, Matt Carl, who was inducted, he talked about how, like, I know I had a, had a long NHL career and I live in Minnesota now, but, um, I'm always an Alaskan and, mm -hmm. you know, it's, it's who I am. And I just think it's so cool. I mean, you hear a lot of these athletes saying, yeah, you know, I've got a, I've got the map of Alaska tattooed on my calf and I can't, you know, that kind of thing. And yep. everywhere I go, I'm, I'm, I never forget where I'm from. I've got the 907 and, and I just yep. wonder, you know, how many, you know, not to pick on Nebraska, but I wonder <laughs> how many people go through life that grew up in Nebraska with the Nebraska tattooed on their Right. Calf. Exactly. A lot. I don't know, but I do think that. Um, I think speaking to Marco too, it's like, also the impact he made on the running community here. You know, I, I think he did it in several ways, um, but I just think his heart and soul, everybody saw him when he first started running on the track. Like he'd be out at Windler when I had my running group out there and he'd be doing intervals at, on the track with his blades. And he was just so inspiring to everybody. He came up last summer for the big wildlife 
runs and he was kind of a celebrity guest and I couldn't believe how popular, you know, there were a lot of big name Alaskan runners hanging around during that weekend of racing and they all wanted to go up and get a, get a social media selfie with him. Mm -hmm. Uh, And he's, and that comes from the fact that he's a great runner, but it also just comes from the fact that everybody loves that guy. He's just a really good hearted person and, um, and everyone's just so happy for his success and that he overcame some personal tragedy. So, yeah, it's going to be really exciting to continue to watch his career and running. Cause I, I'm sure he's not done with those record books yet. <laughs> right. So yeah, those are our men and our women and our boys and girls. There's uh, a lot of great stories there. You are listening to outdoor explorer on Alaska public media. I'm your host, Lisa Keller. We are going to take a short break, and when we return, we'll hear more from Harlow Robinson about the Alaska Sports Hall of Fame 2022 Director's Awards. You're listening to Outdoor Explorer on Alaska Public Media. Find the show anytime as a free podcast in the iTunes Store, or connect with us online at alaskapublic.org. listening to Outdoor Explorer on Alaska Public Media. I'm your host, Lisa Keller. My conversation with Harlow Robinson, Executive Director of the Alaska Sports Hall of Fame, continues. So let's move on to some other good stories. So the Trajan Langdon, there's the Youth Award and the Adult Award. Have you always had both the Youth and the Adult? So we've been doing the Adult, we've been doing the award overall for 10 years. And five years ago, we decided we really need to have a youth and an adult category um, just to make sure we're recognizing some of the young people. And um, and there's enough great candidates around to have two categories, we felt mm-hmm. like. So, um, so, so I'm expl- really glad we did that. Yeah. So what is the Trajan Langdon Award all about? It really is a way of looking at character. Um, Certainly, we're, we're looking at athletes. Some of them are incredibly accomplished, but um, the thing we're really focused on is their, um, you know, the way it's described as sportsmanship, inspiration, or sorry, sportsmanship, leadership, or um, sportsmanship, leadership, or in, uh, integrity, mm-hmm. and um, in, in a way that's inspiring to the public. So. Um, Jeremy Lane won the Youth Trajan Langdon Award this year, and this might have been my favorite um, uh, awardee this year. He's from the community of Point Lay, which is about as remote of a community. You might, it might well be if you look at a map and figure out proximity to other communities. It's uh, way out on the northwestern edge of Alaska on the coast kind of between Barrow and Kotzebue, about Mm -hmm. equidistant. And um, it was the nomination for him came from his coach and basically in in a nutshell said this was a teenager that was frankly pretty tough to coach um, a few years ago, Um, pretty strong-headed and not always respectful 
and just, you know, immature growing up. And he's a senior now. And over the last couple of years, um, Point Lay, like a lot of these rural communities, has really had to struggle through COVID. Um, you know, if you think about all the challenges we've had and, you know, larger communities like Anchorage, it's kind of tenfold out there in some ways, uh, just because they're so isolated and their ability to travel went away and their outlets through sports went away mostly for, for quite a while. So um, it can really be impactful in a negative way to a lot of these rural communities. Um, and the story of Jeremy is basically when times got tough, he really stepped up and um, he became a just kind of a one of the pillars for that community, not just within the school, but within the whole community. And, you know, when they didn't have their mixed six volleyball season or their basketball season, he found other ways to keep the, the kids and the schools engaged. Um, and then when the sports did start starting, starting up again, um, he stepped into this mentorship role and kind of became an extra coach. And, and the coach was saying he even taught me a lot, you know, and so it was really cool, you know. To, that is to, cool. Um, he, the community was so excited that he won that they got the money together to send him and a chaperone down. And there were some Point Lay um, people from Point Lay living in Anchorage, and they all came with big signs saying, we love you, Jeremy. And Oh, that is so great. I love that. It was so cool. And he gave the shortest speech of the night, which as, <laughs> as the organizer, you're always hoping for short speeches. <laughs> Keep things moving but um you know he didn't have to go that short but it really was i think the best speech of the night and all he said was um point lay is a is a small town but we have big hearts oh. and then he re just kind of reiterated small town big heart that's all i've got to say <laughs> oh that's so wonderful yeah, that is awesome point. What, um, so does he have plans to continue to play basketball or anything beyond high school? I don't think so. Um, probably like a lot of um, kids in rural Alaska, they're, you know, I, I think he was an outstanding athlete and talented, but probably not at the level to play beyond, um, beyond high school. But, mm -hmm. but hopefully he keeps on doing it and well, what I love about basketball, it's one of those sports that as an adult has like really great leagues, the older you get, those leagues are still there and they're all age grouped. And, um, I, I mean, that's yeah. great because you don't find that with football. Right. No. And, and I, as a person that grew up playing basketball, I discovered that there is a 30 and over league. And then I discovered there's a 40 and over league. And then I discovered there's a 50 and over league and that's pretty much it. <laughs> you see some uh some folks that are much older than 50 though and and it's a lot of fun you know they're still out there and they might not play as long and as hard but they still get out so yeah, yeah. that's great and he was his, his competition for the youth award was ian kem and tawny smith right yeah and i, I know we'll probably don't have a ton of time to go through everyone but you know a, a couple other high school students that just you know, their coaches and teachers just 
were so thought so highly of them mm -hmm. that they wrote long letters just talking about you know the kind of the common thread you see or these are people that you know both in both those cases ian Kime and uh, Tawny Smith, they're really outstanding athletes. They excelled to Ian in hockey and then Tawny in multiple sports. Um, but it was what they did, uh, just kind of like with their role as an athlete on the team, they, they elevated the team. They did a ton outside of sports. They, um, they um, volunteered their time to make their communities better. Um, it was kind of kids that you see them in in most every school and every community, and a lot of times they don't get um, recognized in a public way or a way outside of their close uh, maybe school community. So it's really nice to be able to shine a light on them. And I'm sure for every Tony Smith and Ian Kime, there are a lot of others out there as well. And um, you know, in my opinion every time we can take a minute to shine a light on them it's it's great for the you know if if we don't have that in sports really you know we're, we're missing the mark um sports is a chance you know really what sports is is a practice for high school sports it's practice for real life and learning these skills that are going to help yeah. us be successful and in real life, like whether it's overcoming adversity or sportsmanship or teamwork or, you know, any of those things. And um, sometimes it's uh, um, the people that really excel in the, all those kind of character issues that they're going to really turn into outstanding people in our communities eventually. Mm -hmm. That's definitely the hope, isn't it? Yeah. Okay, so the Trajan Langdon Adult Award went to Hannah Halverson, which she also has like an incredible story. Um, injuries yeah. like injured the same, like not the same, but the injuries she had to overcome, like Marco had to overcome, same thing. Yeah, and another really well-documented story. I mean, she was struck by a, a car at, as, as a pedestrian in downtown Anchorage and um, it, it honestly, um, she was lucky to live first off. She could have very easily been paralyzed. Um, she had traumatic brain injuries, several broken bones. I mean, just really, really um, devastating injuries. Um, and this is an elite level, world-class athlete, um, U.S. ski team material, Olympic hopeful. And um, she... It was, uh, it was several months before she could walk again, and it was over a year before she could, it was about a year before she could ski again, and it was over a year before she could, you know, ski at any kind of competitive level. Um, and this was going um, back to late in 2019, in the fall, that this accident happened. Her recovery story is phenomenal, and um, it was fueled by this dream and desire she had to compete in the Olympics, um, something that she dreamed of since she was 12. And uh, so she really um, stayed focused, stayed positive, stayed patient, and her recovery process was close to miraculous. Once um, she did turn the corner, um, not only from the TBI, the tra traumatic brain injury, but physically, um, when she turned the corner, um, 
She really um, made huge progress, enough so that she qualified for the uh, American team and placed 43rd, I believe, in the in the freestyle sprint, which is <laughs> really a, an amazing story. And um, Hannah, again, was amazing. I, uh, she was so inspiring to hear in person um, talk about her journey. And the one thing she said, uh, you know, we talked about being an Alaskan. She's a transplant. Mm-hmm. Um, but she said, you know, she came up here and she said, I, I want you guys to all to know that you're not normal. Like, uh, <laughs> I went to uh, somebody who was hosting a birthday party for their kid, an outdoor party. And um, the day of the party, it was, you know, blowing sideways <laughs> rain and sleet. And she said, well, the party's canceled, right? And, she, and her friend said, no, of course it's not canceled. <laughs> things in Alaska. And she just said, you know, that really resonated with her. That's great. So So the, the final director's award is the Joe Floyd award. And this is sort of a, like a service to sports award. Do I have that right? Yeah, I think so. Community contribution, the Mm -hmm. way we describe it is significant and lasting contribution to the community through the world of the realm of sports. So obviously that, can entail a lot. And I like this award just because the people that win it are typically, their first response is, oh, I don't deserve this. Um, You know, thanks, but I'm just trying to lay low and and do my thing and help out. And there are people that often don't ask for attention and they don't seek it out. Um, But it sure is good to recognize those types of people and say, hey, you're doing a great job. Look what you've done. Take a minute and just let's celebrate this. And well, I think this year's winner, obviously, I mean, to me, I know Kathleen Navarre, who is one of the finalists, and she's amazing, an amazing administrator, um, has been in sports administration for ASD forever, um, has been a coach. I, I didn't I don't really know Kathy Bethard, but I had heard her name, but Beth Bragg won this award. And I can think of no one more deserving this year than Beth Bragg. <laughs> well, Beth Bragg has been a journalist at the Anchorage Daily News for 35 years. Um, of course, she said, I don't deserve this. Yep. <laughs> no. And um, but but what she's done as a journalist is, um, you know, t- <laughs> she, first of all, she's an amazing writer. She mm-hmm. really is. Um, and I know those of us that followed um, the Anchorage Daily News and sports We'll miss her writing. She's super talented. Um, she's also somebody that was never, it was, it was never about herself. Like she, she just knew how to get to the essence of a story and, and um, tell, the, tell the human side of stories. And uh, that's a, a really special gift. Um, and she's also somebody, I think, um, and we recognize this in giving her the award, um, she was in a male-dominated um, profession, both as a sports journalist and in, in, you know, 35 years ago, things have changed a little bit, but, um, you know, it's a, uh, sports in general have been male-dominated, and um, she really um, was a person that um, moved forward um, female sports and female journalism in Alaska. Um, I, I think she was very... She certainly wasn't, um, she, she could 
tell the stories about the men just as well as the women. It wasn't that she was just out there trying to tell the story of female sports and athletes, but she made sure that the stories about uh, women and fem uh, women teams were being told and given um, the coverage they deserve. So, Absolutely. I really credit her. Yeah. yeah, I really credit her with the growth of uh, the female, the the women only events in in Alaska, you know, and that uh, when people talk to Beth, when women talk to Beth, they felt like they had an advocate and somebody who would take their stories seriously, which, you know, I'm not saying that the male reporters, the men reporters didn't do that either, but it, there was just something different to be able to talk to another woman who's who's there watching your events. That's right. I think that was that was key to, to it all is, you know, just having the perspective of a female covering mm -hmm. um, female sports can, yep. can give you a different perspective and sometimes a more objective one. And right. Uh, and she wasn't able to attend. Um, she gave a really nice speech via video, but um, she asked Holly Brooks, the Olympic skier, was in attendance and she asked Holly if she would uh, accept on her behalf. And Holly mm -hmm. Holly had some really nice things to say about just being a female athlete and some of the things that I didn't really honestly think much about um, being a male, but um, she talked about the objectification of um, female athletes in general, and that's a thing that even today that is something that a lot of uh, females struggle with and mm -hmm. just felt like uh, Beth was a safe harbor like you know yeah that was, she was and and then she shared quotes from all these other male and female athletes about how much they enjoyed and looked forward to seeing Beth at the finish line or you know after an event or taking the phone call and uh, so and Beth um, Kathleen Navarre and Kathy Bethard the three finalists it's kind of true to form for a lot of the people we recognize in this category all three of them basically said, oh, well, looking at the list of finalists, I'm clearly not, I'm not worthy. <laughs> Those other two were amazing. And all three of them almost verbatim said that, you know. Wow. And, and it just, you know, there's a lot of selflessness mm -hmm. with the people we recognize in these awards and just like really altruistic in their work and wanting to make the world and their community a better place. Kathy Bethard um, recently is um, really deservedly been praised for her role in saving UAA hockey. She, she worked tirelessly. And I think it's fair to say that without her efforts, we might not have a hockey team at UAA anymore. Mm. Um, and she's from a, her sons, Brian and Todd Bethard were both hockey players and she grew up around, around hockey. And um, she just really gave of herself and um, just as a community organizer. Um, so mm -hmm. I wanted to kind of, yeah, explain who Kathy was and why she was considered. And you know, we've speaking of male dominated, we've um, been doing the Joe Floyd Award for ten years, and this is only the second woman to win it. So, and then there were three women nominees, three women finalists, right? Yeah. So, and there's no reason that uh, Kathy, Kathleen, or Kathy couldn't be um, considered next year. So, and I hope mm -hmm. they are. Yeah. So we only have a few minutes left and I definitely want to get to hundred miles in May. We need to talk about that for a few minutes, but um, I'll just let anybody know if you want to go back and know more about the individual inductees for 2022. And those were Marcy Trent and Matt Carl. 
and the event inductee, which was the Yukon 800, and the moment inductee, which was the UAA hockey upset of Boston College in 1991. I will put a link to that episode uh, the last time Harlow and I talked because we went in depth about those uh, three uh, categories of inductees. But let's talk about 100 miles in May. Let's get that in because it's starting and it's May and it's time to get moving, right? Yes. Yeah. I'm. Uh, I'll put in my plug now. Thanks for giving me that opportunity. And and the Healthy Futures is a program of the Alaska Sports Hall of Fame. And honestly, it's probably about 90% of what myself and my staff do when we're not putting on this big annual event. A lot of our time is dedicated to, it's a statewide program. Our whole focus and mission is to get kids moving and active and help them build the habit so that they continue to to be moving and active because we all know the science is all out there now and the discuss you know it used to be that it was the conversation was just it's so important to be physically active because you'll be less likely to get heart disease or diabetes or become obese but we all know now that kids and and adults that are physically active are emotionally and mentally healthier as well kids that are active do better in school they have more friends, they're socially um, more successful. So it's, it's so important in so many ways. 100 Miles of May is our chance as adults to role model for the kids, get out and move, and um, it's super fun. Um, you can sign up by yourself, you can make a team. It's really interactive. We have leaderboards and um, you can see how your team's doing within your industries or if you're not competitive and you're not into any of that stuff, you don't have to do be on the leaderboard or do any of that. Just set your own goals. And probably the most important thing I always try to explain to people because immediately they hear 100 miles a May and they're like, oh, well, I'm not really in shape to do 100 miles. Um, if you rake your yard or you go walk your dog or whatever, whatever you do that's physically active, we have it on the database. You can enter in 36 minutes of raking your yard and you hit submit and it'll give you a mileage total. That's um, my favorite part, I've got to tell you, because May is yard work month. Right. <laughs> and yeah. and you could spend your whole weekend out in your yard and you put those numbers in and then all of a sudden you're like, oh my gosh, I got a lot of miles for that. <laughs> <laughs> I love great. it too. I, I get a lot of my miles through yard work as well. And, mm -hmm. and you know, people that have young kids, they're like, oh, I'm so busy. I, I don't have time to go out and put in all these miles. And guess what? We've got a category for playing with children. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> a great science. You know, we do, we do have an engineering company, R&M Consultants, that um, really all credit to them for starting this thing in the beginning. They wanted to do something to help a nonprofit. And then we've leaned on them to continue putting our conversion tables together. So we try to be as scientific as possible, but there's a level of subjectivity. And in the end, um, it's all for a good cause and it's all for good fun. Um, we give out prizes. We're giving out some iPhones thanks to GCI and Alaska Airlines round trip tickets thanks to Alaska Airlines. So if you make a donation of at least $50, um, you'll be eligible for prizes. Um, but it's our big fundraiser for Healthy Futures, and it's just a great way to start off the summer. 
Yeah, I really agree. And I encourage everyone to get out there and sign up for this and do it because it is, it does keep you motivated and kind of gives you a little kickstart to your summer. Yeah. Well, we'll see you out there, Elisa. Yeah. Yeah. I'll be out there (laughs) doing a lot of yard work. (laughs) It's it's fun. It's really become, um, you know, over time, um, more and more, we see youth groups like school groups, um, track teams. Um, I love the fact that um, it's spread into different, you know, initially we thought this is for businesses and it's a fundraiser, but we see a lot of neighborhoods and, um, you know, families that sign up and and it's really, it's good for anyone. We're all, all us humans have the same need to be physically active. And we also have the same need or desire to do things that are social. And this Mm -hmm. is really interactive, fun thing. So we hope you all sign up. And I know, um, you know, at the time this airs, we'll already be several days into May and that is not a problem at all. Um, You can, sign up and retroactively um, enter your first few days of May. And that's, that's just great. And I will put that link as well on our Outdoor Explorer page on Alaska Public Media. Thanks for doing that, Lisa. I appreciate yeah. it. Yeah. Well, Harlow, yeah, it's always. To get a team what? together as well. Yeah. Yeah. I'm working on getting my team together. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do it next couple of days. You'll see it. <laughs> Well, Harlow, thanks for joining me. It's always great talking to you. I learned so much and I'm just like so in awe of Alaska Sports Hall of Fame and everything you do with Healthy Futures too, beyond that. So thank you so much. Thanks, Lisa. I had a lot of fun talking to you. That's it for today's show. Thanks to my guest, Harlow Robinson. On the Outdoor Explorer page on alaskapublic.org, you can find pictures from the awards ceremony and a link to the Alaska Sports Hall of Fame a link to the Outdoor Explorer episode on the class of 2020, now 2022, and a link to the Healthy Futures 100 Miles in May signup. The show was produced by Eric Bork. My name is Lisa Keller, and from all of our hosts here at Outdoor Explorer, thanks for listening and we'll see you outside. Outdoor Explorer is a production of KSKA Public Radio in Anchorage, Alaska. Theme music is by Portugal, the man. Views expressed are those of the participants and do not reflect the station or its underwriters. You can find Outdoor Explorer on Facebook and in your favorite podcast app. To see what's coming up on Outdoor Explorer and add your voice to the conversation, go to our website at alaskapublic.org. Life Informed, this is Alaska Public Media.